1: Get access to actionable news and market research with all the information you need to invest smarter and profit faster. Start your free trial today at pro.benzinga.com.
2: Let's get ready to rumble! Jam-packed show today. What's up, guys? Happy Wednesday hump day! Woo! We are back at it, ready to get rocking and rolling. This is the power hour, this is the trade idea show. Let's dive right into it, guys the reason why we spend this time here together every single day is because we want to get the idea flow going if we're not getting ideas from each other then then we're doing something wrong ideas are not just going to come from myself not just from our guests but more importantly going to come out of the chat so guys if you have symbols that you are trading that you are looking at put them in the chat we we have a jam-packed show as always today uh, up front, let's talk about Ford. Let's talk about AMD, and let's talk about Robinhood. Okay, those are the the three symbols that we're going to talk about right up front: Ford, AMD, and Robinhood. Um, and then at twelve fifteen, we're going to be talking to the CEO of Lending Club, ticker LC. Lending Club. Uh, Super interesting company. Recently made a a big business transition uh, and and just reported earnings a couple days ago. So so guys, if you are interested in that one, you have questions to ask, put them in the chat because you know that I will try to get to those questions. Uh, And then at 1245 Eastern, we are going to be talking to Steven Rossi, the CEO of WorkSport, ticker WKSP. Uh, Recently just uplisted to the NASDAQ today, we're the first ones to get that interview. Let's go. That's what we're out here doing for our Zingers, everybody out there in Zinger Nation. But, yeah, guys, let's get after it. Say hi in the chat. Share the stream. Like the stream. Uh, and let's just dive in first things first. Um, let's see. Where do we want to start? I, I want to start with with Ford today. Let, let's go ahead and start with Ford. As, as you guys know, I'm I'm, I'm a Ford bull. It was our 2021 stock of the year. Uh, not only do do we own the stock outright, and we've been riding that one up here. Let me pull up Ford for you. Here's Ford. Here's a one year chart, daily candles. Not only do we own the stock, we also own some long dated calls in the name. Uh, we 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 bought those leaps. Um. So so that that's why. That that that's what our move on Ford has been. The other thing that we've been doing with Ford is we've been selling calls against the underlying stock position throughout the entire year. So so even though Ford has had sort of this slow trickle of death, and this slow trickle of death, I hate, I hate, hate, hate getting trapped into these slow trickles of death like we see on this chart right now. Um we, we've at least been selling calls and we've lowered our cost basis maybe by another dollar. Right. So if our cost basis was, let's call it eight forty, I believe. Uh, At the start of the year, we've been selling calls against the position the whole way down. Now that's down to like a 740. Um, But all right. Why am I bringing up Ford today? Uh, I'm I'm bringing it up because we have some news. Uh, The company is reported that it's July auto sales per my trustee. Why is it moving alerts in Benzinga Pro? Uh, July auto sales in the U.S. were down 32% on a year-over-year basis. The market obviously doesn't like that, is hitting the stock on that. It's also generally a red day for the market as a whole. We have our S&P 500 is down half a percent. Here's my thing with, with, with news like this. And again, guys, we're always trying to keep it actionable. The 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 July auto sales, we already had an idea of, right? The, the, the company reported earnings last week. Um, we, we, we already got an indication as to how this quarter is going to shape up. We are still in the middle of that global chip shortage, which I would have thought, you know, just the global uh, supply chain would have figured out by now. I mean, we got the, the COVID vaccine out there pretty quick. But regardless, uh, they haven't. We're, we're still in the midst of that chip shortage. July sales look bad. Um, uh, we, we do have some some decent data coming out about the Mach-E, Ford's first fully electric vehicle, that 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 E and just the general um, the, the 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 general strategy push marketing dollar deployment into EVs is why we got into the stock in the first place. So so again, guys, four down three and a half percent on this July headline. That doesn't freak me out. We already knew it. Um, you know, so so whatever. That's the deal. And, and shout out to Christian Gallagher in the chat. He he he's making a, a, a really astute point. Um, You know, S&P, he's down 0.85% today. Look, I've got his comment up on the screen. The S&P 500 is down half a percent. I actually just did this math as well for myself. So so this is something that I do every day, right? Because it doesn't matter really. I mean, if if you're taking a long-term approach towards your holdings, it doesn't matter really how much you're up or down on a percentage basis any given day. It matters, am I beating the benchmark or not? If you're not beating the benchmark, but you're still up, then you just wasted your time right? We're not doing it to underperform the benchmark. You might as well have thrown your money into the S&P 500 and then just gone out there and had fun and read books and go on bike rides, whatever it is that you'd want to do with your time. So 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 the math that I do every single day is I calculate what was my performance versus the S&P 500. And I'm in a similar position as Christian Gallagher, where, where he's saying he's down 0.85%, Spy is down point uh, I'm down about point five five percent Spy is down about 4 Right, so 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 it's a it's a bad day um, for for me. And again, keep keep that in mind. Uh, Let's go ahead and let's look at IWM. This is the ETF that tracks the small caps. Right, because if you're underperforming, you you want to understand why. Obviously, there's some individual names that are hurting you. For me today, that that individual name is Ford. I am getting a a great pop on a stock that I own today, New York Times (NYT) on their earnings report. but, but let's go back to IWN. This is the ETF that, that tracks small caps. Uh, shout out to STBC in the chat, up 3.97%. That is a monster day. That's an air horn right there. Let's go. That's a big one. Uh, but but if we look at the small caps, Russell 2000 down 0.94% today. Uh, the small caps have not been getting any love at all. Ch- check this out. Small caps straight up basically until the end of February, uh, and they have been st- – dead in their tracks since then. If we compare that to the S&P 500, straight up, still making new all-time highs. And, and so, so, so here, here's the broader point that I want to make for all of us individual investors. If, if you're like myself, and I think if you're, if you're like the, the broader uh, you know, individual investor community, you like to trade a lot of these smaller names, right? You're looking for opportunities. You're looking for swing trades. You're looking for breakouts. It's a lot easier most times to find those on, than on something like an AMD, which is having a hell of a breakout right now. And we'll get to AMD in just a minute here. Um, but 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 there's rotation out of, there's long-term secular rotation out of these small cap stocks. They just have not been able to get any love. I mean, if we if we think about this, right? So since the middle of February, to The middle of March, April, May, June, July, and now August. I mean, it's been six months that a lot of us have, have had been sitting in dead money by holding a lot of these stocks. Um, you know, we were doing great. We were killing the S&P 500 on the whole way up. But but right now, I'm still stuck in in some of that dead money. And, and so so let, let's do this for tomorrow's show. We haven't done this in a while, but I want to do a full portfolio review and take you guys through how I do my portfolio reviews. When, when 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 things are only going okay or they're not going great, I take a step back. I go name by name. I say, why do I own this stock? Or, right? It, it, or, or rather, it's why did I buy this stock? Do I still have a reason to hold it? Am I still waiting for the thesis to play out? Did I get new information that screws up the thesis that I had? Uh, et cetera. And I go name by name by name and we do a big portfolio clearing, free up some cash and and then reallocate capital into our highest conviction ideas. So, so AB, let's put this on the list for Thursday or Friday. Let's do that line by line. Let's do that full portfolio cleaning um, and, and, and take everybody through how we do it. Yeah. Christian Gallagher in the chat, he's saying that he did the exact same thing. So, so, so that's what we have to look forward to later in the week. Um, but, but but let's keep clipping through our individual names. We talked about Ford. We talked about this, this rotation out of small caps. We'll do more on that later this week. We didn't ask people to smash the like button yet. So go ahead. Do that. Smash the like. Share the stream. Let's get some zingers in here. And let's go. All right. Uh, Producer AB, we, we want to talk AMD or we want to talk hood. You pick um let's start so, so hood i feel like we've we've been covering all
1: morning you know the crazy run up couple of halts this morning we've seen it kind of stall out since then but but let's go to amd because this stock has just been ripping for the past i don't know week so, so
0: daily chart
1: daily candles i see one two three four five six seven in a row green candles
2: Yes, I mean, and Ripster gave us the playbook on this. If you guys were not watching Power Hour yesterday, you 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 lost money. Ripster was on giving us the full playbook on AMD. He had the one twelve calls. He, he was trading them live on the show. Another seven bucks on those one twelve calls. Monster monster move for AMD.
1: Yeah, and then, and then Luke, I gotta tell you something kind of funny, uh, unrelated to AMD. So, my mom actually shout out Darlene. She opened her first own. Stock trading account, and she was asking me, you know, what stocks she should buy. All this stuff. I was, you know, I said there's a lot, um, but sh- she's in healthcare, so I threw out United Health to her because I think that stock's really strong. I think it'll continue to be strong.
2: Wait, wait, what brokerage did she use? That's important.
1: So I got some flack from this for Spencer Israel because she asked me which to sign up for, and I had her. Uh, no, that that's that's. I don't think that's United Health. United Give Health. Give me a symbol. It's um. Here, let me find it. I always forget okay. this one. Uh, um, what was the brokerage? Interactive Brokers. It's UNH is is uh, United Health. And Spencer was like, "You should have just done something that's like a lot easier than her because she's not like an going to be an active trader. She yeah. Gonna buy yeah.
2: <laughs> <But> <laughs> if she's trying I, to get three x leverage, and Interactive Brokers was the right choice. Exactly. she's trying to trade shanghai exchanges overnight and that was the right choice
1: i don't know why a couple months ago when she you know first reached out to me about this why that was the one that i told her to do but i think because at the time i was working on getting my interactive brokers account set up because i'm i'm on like Robinhood and stuff and i was trying to get some stuff transferred over there but it probably would have been a lot easier to just get her on robin hood or weeble or, or e-trade or something um but she was like it's so expensive. I can only buy like five shares of this with the money I have in it. And I told her, well, Hey mom, look, cheap stocks are, are cheap for a reason. Um, so she's looking for something a little cheaper than this. If anyone has suggestions, let me know. Um, because this is, this is important to me. I can give, you know, Luke bad stock tips. I can give Spencer bad stock. I can't tips. give your mom bad. I stock I can't give my mom bad stock tips. I'll be, I'll be grounded. And uh, I don't want that. I don't want to lose the keys to my car. So I I need to find some good stocks in her nation. So help me out here. And then she texted me earlier today that she bought a stock that I've never even heard of. So I was like, all right, maybe mom, I'll, I'll check this one out for me because I, I believe in like happy little accidents, you know,
2: there you go. There's your Bob Ross shining through. Yeah. Exactly. So, so, all right. So, 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 let for anybody who's just joining us, let me get you up to speed on what what's to come. Uh, but, but we're about to, to talk with, with lending club in just a second here. Really interesting business. Uh, we're going to be talking to WorkSport for it at twelve forty five Eastern. We still have Robin hood to get through. Take her H O O D crazy day for that one. And then we're going to be helping AB's mom, producer AB's mom, uh, find some stock ideas. Yeah,
1: that, that's, that's my main mission for today. I, I like mean.
2: how you're bringing the Friday show vibes into a Wednesday. I, I appreciate that. Hump day. It's hump, hump day, day, baby. I know.
1: So, uh, all right. I'll, I'll, but, after our interviews, I'll let you know what the stock was that my mom did buy. I see that question coming in in the chat. Like I said, I had never heard of it, but I believe in, in, in happy accidents. So, I'm going to look into it. Maybe it's a great buy. Maybe she just I did check it out, and the stock had just legged down like before she bought it. So, maybe she got in at a good buying opportunity. Right,
3: yep. Or she's
2: trying to catch a falling knife. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Without further ado, I'm going to bring Scott Sanborn on with us, CEO of Lending Club, ticker LC. Scott, how are you doing today? Welcome to the Power Hour. We are honored to have you here with us. Good morning. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I, I guess, but before we, we dive right into things, uh, can you just give us a little bit of background on Lending Club for anybody who may not be familiar? Yeah, love to.
4: So we started back in 2007 uh, with the idea of using data and technology to uh, transform banking. We started with lending, uh, lowering the cost of credit, increasing access to credit in, in the personal loan segment, unsecured lending. And we reinvented that category. It became the fastest growing category of of credit, and we became the very dominant market leader of that. And uh, back in February, uh, we added to that mix uh, a digital bank. We acquired a digital bank with an award-winning checking account and savings options that gives us the ability to add to our mix what our customers have been asking for, which is in addition to helping them with lending, we can help them with spending and savings. So that's what we can do for the customers. What it does for Lending Club is it adds in an entirely new revenue stream uh, that will result in our ability to deliver sustained growth. Awesome.
2: And and I saw the vision statement to, to, to be America's financial health hub uh, can, can you dig into that for us a little bit and, and tell us a little bit about what exactly that means?
4: Yeah, with the tweak, club, uh, as in the lending club name.
2: Oh, oh, yeah. oh okay.
4: Yeah, so, so where All that right, comes... I missed the nuance. <laughs> no worries. So where that comes from is the number one use case for our product, um, our core product, is uh, for basically for Americans that have credit cards, which is, as you know, most people uh about half of them carry credit card debt uh and if they are carrying credit card debt they have a loan and it's not a very good one and what is uh you know a bit of a commentary on what's been happening over the last few decades is uh, you know the more income people have sadly what that means is the higher their credit card debt so if you take the lending club customer we serve a very very broad range of people from you know 600 FICO all the way up to 850, and we offer a, a great product for everyone. Um, but what you see is you know the higher the income they have, the higher the debt they have, and we're essentially helping them lower that cost of debt. Um, and this has been caused by decades of you know rising cost of healthcare, rising cost of housing, rising cost of education, uh, set off against pretty stagnant wages. So you know, the mission of our company is really to help people use data, use technology to drive down their costs of credit, and help them find savings in their lives. So that's that's what we've been doing.
2: Okay, and 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 you you mentioned the acquisition of the bank. Um, you know, you, you you talked a lot about the cost of debt and credit. Uh, you know, long term, does it go beyond the lending side of things and into all facets of people's financial lives, like like banking? investing etc um or or is it that laser focus on on being the credit solution
4: uh no that's just where we got started and you know we got started there because that's where most of the profit is generated but now that we've got the bank uh part you know part of the drivers of this acquisition there were many but one of the key drivers was we acquired a multi-award winning uh, rewards checking account that is dead on Brand for Lending Club. What it does is it rewards people for spending money they have, as opposed to rewarding people for going into debt.
3: Interesting.
4: Um, so it's a, a cash back debit card. Uh, so we'll be working on getting that into the hands of our customers as we exit this year. And what that's gonna allow us to do is, is really just more for them, right? We, we will be collecting more data uh, so we can get better insight into their financial lives, and we can use that to find more opportunities for them to save. Um, so that's that was one of the key drivers of of the bank.
2: Got it. And, and Scott, let let me ask you this: it, it, It's a little bit of a personal question, but but Lending Club, it, it's been around for for about 15 years or so. You've been with the business for 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 quite a good chunk of that 15 year history. What was it that that you saw in Lending Club when when you joined the team that that said like this is it. I mean, it must have been like a shell of the business that it is now when, when you made that move.
4: Yeah. You know, I love that question. It was I joined back in 2010. We were probably 30, 35 people. Um, I think we were issuing somewhere in the neighborhood of five to ten million dollars in loans a month. For, for reference, last last quarter, we issued 2.7 billion for the quarter. So, you know, 900 million a month. Um and you know what, uh, the, the the board jokes with me that I was one of the most expensive candidates to recruit mostly in lunches because it took me about a dozen lunches. I was always <laughs> excited by, I was not a financial services guy prior to joining uh, Lending Club, um, but I, I saw- what, what were you or, or where? What, what world were you in? I was, you know, I had been in a number of uh, various uh, retail and tech startups throughout, throughout the valley. And my, my background was in, uh, you know, kind of revenue growth, marketing. Um, but, you know, what I looked at this was, we were coming out of, you know, uh, we were coming out of the recession and you know, I looked at the banking industry and said, you know, this industry feels like one, it has yet to, to feel the effects of technology to transform for the better for customers, right? Retail had fallen, travel had fallen. Why hasn't financial services yet uh, evolved? And I looked at it and said, you know, boy, the, the, this company isn't there yet. You know, I'm not clear whether or not it will work. But if it does work, we can build a really important brand and a really big business. And, you know, the path to get here has, certainly uh, not been straight, but uh, I couldn't be more excited about where we are now, which is really, I think, on the cusp of really being able to deliver that vision that that you know we had way back when I joined in 2010
2: okay and, and now for a more boring question this is probably one that, that you've had to answer many times before um but but like like lending club and when I think back to, to not the early days but but to the days where it started to become that household name and I was familiar with the brand um you know I, I knew it as the, like the, the the peer-to-peer lending place you know like uh, where, where individuals were, were transacting and that sort of thing you, you, you guys recently shifted out of that model can you talk a little bit about that transition and, and what it does for you Yeah.
4: Yeah. So when we started, uh, you can imagine, go, you know, it's try to put yourself back in, in 2010. Um, you know, our business was, we're going to lend people of money to people we've never met over the internet. And oh, by the way, we haven't been doing this very long. Um, where do you get the capital to fund loans? And what we did is we opened up the platform to investors who could take the credit risk in exchange for earning the interest on the loans. Um, And that's what allowed us to scale. And so it was both individual retail investors all the way through to um, institutional investors that that very much remains in place. By the way, we remain a marketplace, a digital marketplace bank. So even now that we're a bank, 80% of our loans will continue to be funded by uh banks asset managers uh hedge funds all all different variety of players and why that matters is it drives down the cost of credit because you have this marketplace dynamic you know competing for the loans and it broadens the access if we were just funded by bank capital we wouldn't be able to serve as broad a range of customers as we can today Uh, but we moved away from uh, the retail program uh, really, because it didn't, it doesn't make financial sense within the banking context. It's kind of complicated accounting, but the way you have to treat uh, those securities because they were public securities uh, has implications for the overall capital efficiency of the business. Um, but you know, that doesn't mean we are, uh, not committed to finding products to serve those retail investor customers. We actually rolled them into the, the first product we, we offered as a bank was a, uh, what we call the founder's account, which is a high yield savings account, which as the loans pay down, uh, their funds are automatically transferred over and they earn in a, a top of the market rate.
2: Got it. So, so there are still some of those peer-to-peer elements built into the business.
4: Yeah, just the the actual program itself. Uh, we wound down upon uh, as we entered the banking framework, and and like I said, now that we're a bank, what we what we're doing is for eighty percent of the loans, we're continuing to sell through our marketplace. Twenty percent of the loans we're holding. Why that matters is for every loan we hold, we earn three times as much as
2: for the loans we sell. So think and about that's it. Sort of a move in the revenue structure is changing from like that one time origination income where you have to keep selling every quarter to get get revenue to you now have this reoccurring revenue model that seems like it's starting to become a bigger and bigger part of the business. Is that accurate? That's right. That's exactly right. It went
4: from 19. You know, we're, this is our first full quarter as a bank we acquired it in, in February. We had 19 million in interest income in, in, in Q1 and over 40 million in Q2. So that is a building recurring revenue stream that is independent from originations and uh, will you know will serve to provide a resilient source of income through varying market conditions. If the other benefit of it, by the way, is that we are now, as they say, eating our own cooking, right? So for the dozens of banks that work with us, they are feel very comforted because they know, hey, know we're not we're not just trying to grow loan volume at the expense of good credit we are consuming this credit as well and um we demonstrated last year uh we out you know this asset class there was a lot of questions how it would do in a recession um you know credit overall as you know held up really well due to many unique aspects uh including government stimulus and consumer behavior but personal loans as a whole really validated itself uh, within the payment hierarchy, actually above credit cards and Lending Club, within that we outperformed our competitive set by about 35%. So 35% lower delinquency. So we've got this very powerful Congratulations yeah, on that. Class uh, outperforming the competition and now we are capturing that revenue stream. And,
2: and and Scott, let let me ask this because I would imagine that that acquiring a bank is a heck of a process. Uh, ballpark from like the time where where you, where you started talking to to actually getting the, the deal closed. You just alluded to, to that that close earlier this year. How long how long did that take?
4: Yeah, so the the process of acquiring the bank uh, took eleven months. We had guided the street to twelve to fifteen. We actually got it done in eleven months from announcing the transaction to having it closed. But your your question is insightful because the bigger question is you can't just show up and say you're buying a bank and be approved in 12 months because the uh, what it takes to be ready uh, in terms of your infrastructure your controls and your processes the process actually began before that i would say probably more like um, a year and a half to two years before that when we started meeting with the regulators, wow. uh, evaluating our readiness and building out the infrastructure to get there. So that's why you know, uh, we're glad to see that the market's recognizing the power of the model, but this, this is an overnight success that's been you know two and a half,
2: three years in the making. Okay, and, and, let, and let me ask you one more question about the deal, um, and, and then I, w- I want to move on to this this quarter that you just announced results for, which are insane. So so we'll get there. Uh, but but when you were picking the target to 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 acquire, what what were like one or two of the most important aspects for you?
4: Yeah, you know, um, if you think about what does Lending Club need, we're really really good at asset generation, uh, great at it. Um, Well, we don't know anything about deposits. We've never done that before. So we want, uh, you know, ideally we want a bank who knows how to gather deposits digitally, not through a branch infrastructure. In fact, we'd prefer not to have any branches, right? Um, uh, That's, you know, that's not our model. Um, So, and it, by the way, it needs to be a bank that is for sale uh, and a price that we can afford. So you, you add all those things up, a bank that we can afford that's for sale that does digital deposit acquisition, it's, a re- it's really not a very big universe. Uh, <laughs> big big, big and, one of three,
2: basically, yeah. Yeah, Forget and it. so
4: we were actually prepared to go down uh, the de novo path, which is applying for a charter from scratch, um, which uh, can take longer. We really liked the idea of an acquisition because rather than, you know, building an infrastructure to do an activity you've never done and have to have that infrastructure in place even while you're not doing it, uh, which is what you would need to do to be ready to become a bank, acquiring an organization that has demonstrated the capability to execute their duties, uh, I think is uh, confidence inspiring both for me and my management team, but also for, for the regulators. So we actually bumped into the bank uh, as part of a partnership conversation. We knew okay. this is the path we wanted to go down and said, you know what? Let's get started now gathering deposits through a partnership while we go through this de novo process. And you know, the first phone call I had with the CEO, we talked about, you know, what it would be like to partner. And uh, I think we called each other five minutes after the call hung up and said, you know, maybe we should talk about something that's a bit bigger than partnering.
2: That's awesome. So okay, excellent. And and so so let, let, let's go on to this most recent quarter. Guys, I have to put the stock chart up here, just 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 so everybody can see the the impact that this quarter had. The stock price almost doubled. We went from 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 floating around that sixteen dollar per share range to the last quote that I have is twenty seven thirty two. Massive, massive run in the stock price. And, and if we scroll down to the numbers behind that move in the stock, let me put these up on the screen as well. Um, so, you had EPS nine cents versus forty three. We talked about on the show. EPS is a little bit noisy. We like to look at sales. We move over to sales uh you guys put up q2 revenue of 204 million dollars versus 135 million dollar estimate I mean that is monstrous uh you know strong guidance for q3 that 215 to 230 uh, million numbers Scott what what happened that quarter like what went into that is it that this this recurring revenue model that that's continuing to build I mean those are some some insane numbers that you guys put up
4: Yeah, you know, last year we uh, we had the corporate equivalent of shelter in place, uh, which is we announced the bank uh, transaction and then COVID hit, like literally the next month COVID hit and we went into capital preservation mode, which is, you know what, uh, we need to make sure we have enough money to acquire the bank to capitalize the bank and we need to keep all our focus on that as well as just supporting our current customers and our current members. Those are our, those are our priorities. Protect our investor returns, support our borrowers and preserve our capital um, after keeping our employees safe at number one on top of all that. So we we really pulled out of the market last year and stepped back, uh, invested all our energy in.
2: And when you say you pulled out of the market and stepped back, is that like customer acquisition that the, the spending yeah, on customer?
4: That's right. So the only thing we did is, if our current customers, uh, we've got a, a customer base of about three and a half million members, which is uh, it's a it's a very big number in in banking terms. And if they wanted to come back uh, and access a loan, we wanted to make that possible for them. But we effectively stepped out of new customer acquisition, um, and you know focused on uh, you know preserving the loan returns. I gave you the results of that. Um, and you know, getting ready for the acquisition. When the acquisition was uh, approved, we basically came back to the market, lit up our marketing channels. Um, and uh, we were able to resume our market leadership, I think, faster than, uh, frankly, even we anticipated. You know, normally these it's not just a question of, oh, I, I wasn't advertising and now I am, and therefore everything magically comes to me. You know, the market shifts consumer messaging needs to shift pricing and offers need to shift and there's a calibration process that you know can take depending on the marketing channel you know 90 90 days mm-hmm. um, but another thing we did last year was we re- rebuilt our actual decisioning our decision science infrastructure to enable uh, much more rapid testing and deployment of changes so the combination of uh, us stepping back in and leveraging the infrastructure we were just able to really rocket back to, to market leadership, uh, you know, uh, within a month or two of resuming our efforts.
2: I mean congratulations on those numbers, huge congratulations on the guidance for the next quarter,
0: say goodbye
2: which clearly we already have some visibility into. Um, and, and and one more question following up on that, uh, what, what are some of those primary customer acquisition channels? And you say you're, you're turning those on, what, what are those mediums through which are, are sort of your bread and butter for, for obtaining customers? Yeah,
4: so we've got our existing member base, which is one of our really big um, competitive assets. Um, about 50% of our customers come back within five years of getting a loan to get another loan. When they come back, we recognize them, we give them a really seamless experience. Cause I know you, i validated your identity, your income, your employment. Uh, and so I make a, I make, it makes for a very easy experience. The second thing is those customers, um, even if their credit bureau looks the exact same as a new customer, the reality is, is they will perform better. And right, because that they, because they've demonstrated their willingness to pay, so we okay. reward them for that through a better price. So there's a whole set of communication channels to those customers. Which once we add, um, you know, a rewards checking account, that'll be another channel. But you can just think about we have what we call a member center on the site, an email where we effectively say, hey, you're pre-qualified. You know, click here, um, and you 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 can. Um, um, lower your rate and refinance your credit cards. And those customers are primarily coming back and not refinancing credit cards. They're coming back and doing the things people are doing in COVID, home improvement, you know, major purchases. Uh, yep. So that's what's happening there. Then for new customer acquisition, which we've stepped back into, it's it's uh, primarily all the digital channels you would think of, search, social, partnerships, all the rest.
3: Got it. Okay. And each
4: panel requires its own strategy you know, offering experience, all the rest. So that it's actually under the covers. There isn't a Lending Club application. There is a very specific process for every one of these channels that we tune.
2: Awesome. And Scott, I, I really appreciate our whole discussion and you taking us through the business, but I will say my favorite part was your story as to how you made the leap to, to Lending Club, you know, mm-hmm. was it 11, 12 years ago, right when the business was getting going. Uh, you, you talked about, you know, you, you saw that the industry was ripe for disruption. So, so if you had to name one thing, you know, looking from from today's point of view that you're most excited about or, or here's the, the, the next place for Lending Club to take over, what, what would that one thing be?
1: Yeah, I'm most
2: excited
4: about the fact that this is um, there couldn't be a better time to be starting a digital bank. Right. Having we are, you know, the recovery is underway. We are freshly capitalizing a bank underway. Unlike most banks, by the way, that as I'm sure you've 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 heard or you're predicted to be going into an earnings recession because they're struggling to grow loans. Because we have a marketplace, you know, all we need to do is is take a percentage of our own cooking to grow our loan volume. That's one. That's the business side of it. On the consumer side, you know, coming COVID has really accelerated the move to digital, and you know. Um, the primary driver of choice used to be convenience in the form of location. People chose their bank based on where the branch was. And that's why, you know, thousands of banks have thousands of branches across the country. And when those branches closed down, the consumers realized, you know what, Um, what really matters for convenience is how good is the mobile app. And, you know, that's where we're going to be able to shine. Banking is no longer where you go. It's something you do. And so our ability to. I
2: love that. It's no longer where you go. It's something you do.
3: That's, that's a cool one.
4: Yeah. So we're, you know, we're basically going to be entering this market, meeting the consumers. It took longer than I thought for the digital adoption to happen, but it really is happening now at an accelerated pace. And I feel like we're perfectly positioned to take advantage
2: of it. Awesome. Well, Scott, I appreciate you coming on and hanging out with us. Congratulations on all the success, not only in the most recent quarter, which those numbers are impressive, uh, but, but over your, your entire 10-year building, growing Lending Club, uh, we would love to have you back on at some point in the future. Great. Well, thanks for having me, and thanks, everybody, for for listening. Absolutely. All right, all right, guys. How about that one? Again, the ticker is LC. The company is Lending Club. Let's put that chart back up there one more time. Um, let me zoom you out. So here's the one year chart, daily candles again. Off of those most recent uh, earnings numbers, the stock price damn near doubled. We went from 16 to 27. Um, you know, really, really interesting company. Really, really interesting story. Um, you know, it's a whole new business model that they're showing us. And this is the first quarter that we saw the results of this business model. So, so I, I understand, uh, why the market is, is responding the, the way it is. Um, and, and I, I see the question in the chat. Is there a soundboard now? Let's see if we can answer that.
1: Ooh, it needs to be turned up a little bit, but we got the real air horns back. So I don't need to make my silly noises anymore. Um, but Luke, I love that interview. Great job. I loved, uh, his story about, you know, how many lunches it took for him to get hired. Yes.
2: That was a great story. And I, I, I can tell too that, that like, he doesn't usually get to tell that one. I feel like everybody asks him about the peer to peer lending and why they exit that business. But, but it's cool to, to understand the people behind the business. And when you're, when you're putting your dollars there, I mean, that's who you're trusting your money with as an investor.
1: Exactly. Um Luke, well real quick, let's get to our Voyager crypto update. Um it looks like it's been a good day for crypto. So so let me play the little graphic and we'll get straight into that. All right, let's do it.
2: All right guys, check it out. Heat map is on the screen. If you guys want to access this heat map, you want to see crypto news I'm putting the link to it in the chat. But today's show, this episode of the Power Hour is brought to us by Voyager Digital. Uh, Voyager Digital, not a crypto exchange, a crypto brokerage. What does that mean? It means they connect to all the different exchanges so you get the best fills when you are making your crypto trades. Um, Quick update on the crypto market. BTC, the level I've been calling out for like the last two weeks, 40k guys that is that is my level to hold uh I want to see us hold 40k then we're going to run up into the 200 moving average somewhere right around 44k that's the next leg if if we can see see bitcoin hold that 40k level I'm I'm moving more bullish I'm the long term bull but that's when I'll start to get into my short medium term bullishness on the broader crypto market, uh, Bitcoin specifically, um, Ethereum also having a strong day. Uh, but but as I like to say, and, and some may some, some hate me out there for this, but the way Bitcoin goes is the way that the market goes. And that's why I'm laser focused on that 40K level Um Producer AB, in, in any other thoughts that you have as you're, as you're looking out at the, the crypto market and watching these price movements?
1: No, I mean, seeing the heat map all green is just a beautiful thing to me. You know, I have my eyes focused on Ethereum right now. Um, Ethereum has kind of been outperforming Bitcoin over the last few weeks. Um, so, you know, I, I, I'm a big Ethereum guy, Luke, so I'm going to get back into Ethereum on any dips that we have.
2: Um, but the yeah. other one that I like, if we want to talk about other some of, some of the altcoins that I like, uh, ADA, that's Cardano, ticker ADA. We see that right to the right of Bitcoin on this heat map. Also, uh, Solano, ticker SOL. Those are two of the altcoins that, that I'm also a fan of. And all four of those assets, Bitcoin, Ethereum, ADA, Solano, you can trade them on Voyager. Voyager supports 60 assets. you can earn interest on, on a ton of those assets up to 12% a year. I'm telling you, you are not getting that from a bank. And we even have a special offer for all of our members of Zinger Nation. All you out there in Zinger Nation, if you create a Voyager account, you fund it with a hundred bucks and make your first trade. Voyager Digital will give you fifty dollars of Bitcoin. So so basically if, if you've been crypto curious for a while, this is the time to step into it. Because you can make your first hundred dollar trade. You have to be wrong by 50% just to get back to break even. So you've got to be really wrong to, to to net out with a loss here. So there it is, guys. This episode of the Power Hour brought to us by Voyager Digital and producer AB. Will, will you get the links in the in the chat? Yes, sir. I will. They should be.
5: And and the, and Luke, crypto is moving up today. Uh, like, crypto is uh,
2: moving up, baby.
5: Voyager. I mean the stock, Voyager stock.
2: Yep. Yeah, the, the crypto names lagged the the, the broader price movement. I, yeah. If you guys are ever looking for like some intraday trade, the, a good check to do, especially when you have some of these days of high crypto volatility, is, is look at how the broader crypto market is moving and then look at how the crypto stocks are moving. It seems like 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 the group of crypto stocks trailed the, the price in the coins for, for the first couple hours of the morning, and then they, they finally caught up and started ripping. So, right. so, so that's, that's my little pro tip if anybody's looking for some, some crypto day trade ideas.
5: Yeah, that, no, that's true. I mean, they it'll mellow out, but you can get in early before everyone else.
2: Well, uh,
5: exactly. Great. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I agree. There, there's opportunity there. Um, okay. Did you,
2: did you, uh, did you catch that lending club uh, yeah, discussion you, at all?
5: You, you did a great job.
2: Check, check this out. One of the craziest questions that, that I think sort of speaks to the, the nature of the company and what they're building towards it took them 24 months of working with their bank that they were acquiring to, to get to the point of being able to announce the acquisition and then another 11 months to be able to close that acquisition. Why? Isn't that crazy?
5: Why 11 months to close it?
2: Banking regulators. Oh, my God. But the thing that I like about that three-year horizon to be able to get that deal done shows that this move into digital banking is not something that, like, they thought of on a whim. because so it was an expensive deal to do but like this was part of a long-term core strategy. They've had 3 years to strategize it and now that the deal finally closed they they they're able to just turn on the execution side of things.
5: Yeah, and you know I like alternative assets that sometimes aren't correlated to the stock market so you mix things around and etc. So um, letting clubs is interesting and you know I remember the founder who's um, all those commercials and um, it's uh you know it's it's interesting uh the whole idea of it, and looking at as, as a bank, I think it's a smart move. It'll be interesting to see the execution. But I followed Lending Club for many years.
2: Oh yeah, years. One of the the one of the first like really big fintech innovators.
5: Um yeah, totally. I mean, before, shout out, before, big shout before, out to Happy
2: Muhammad in the chat. Getting before, some love.
5: before Robinhood. You know. Oh yeah. Um, you know before Robinhood. Did so, you
2: see Jason? And, and and I'll let you go in a second here. But did you see the Robinhood chart today? No. All right, you ready? Yep. Are you sitting down?
5: Yeah, I, I put in like a hundred k in, in um, last week on the day
2: the IPO. All right. Well, here's your chart for the day. Robinhood going from thirty six yesterday to as high as eighty four today, settling out right now at sixty five dollars. The stock was up eighty percent earlier today, now up forty percent. I don't know why people don't listen to me monster move I didn't so, put so, in so your that 200k way. you put in is now you know like a solid three not a bad day if you can make 100 grand a day trading uh, you're, you're doing okay
5: so um i didn't put in that much but uh what's the market cap now
2: Oh, right, uh market cap is going to be roughly 70 billion 65 billion maybe it was so, so this market cap that we have here in benzinga pro is as of yesterday we had 35% I mean, under
5: that. People are trading it that like it's the future bank. What is JP Morgan network, you know, market cap? And so that is the way to think of it. as. Um, is this Let's the, do the, that
2: quick comparison. So, Robinhood, yeah. we just said, is about a $60 billion market cap. JP Morgan, $450 billion.
5: Okay. So, look ready for that.
2: this one, Jason? Remember that?
5: Now, does right? Apex, Apex, that's uh, SPAC, I wonder if they own any Robinhood?
2: So yeah, because they, they, I,
5: they were investor at one point, I think.
2: Yep. Okay. Let, let, let me ask you this one while we're on the I'm market cap out. thing for a second. Remember when it was a huge deal and we were waiting for like a year that Apple was going to be the first trillion dollar company. Yep. And that was just like two years ago. Yep. Check out Apple's market cap now. Two and a half trillion. Wow. We spent like a year waiting. Like it could be worth a trillion dollars sometime within the next year. <laughs> and then it just hit it and you know, more than doubles. Crazy. Makes me think what we're doing is small
5: potatoes, you know? We're just a little billion, right?
2: Exactly. We need more we need more producer A B's. I saw I saw a really interesting stat about but apples. Producer
5: A B does not want to be a millionaire or a billionaire. I I'm convinced that. I, I figured out who it was the other guest that you were supposed to reach out for me was Ashley Vance, the writer of the Elon Musk book that changed my life. It I did re-
1: I did reach out to him. I have the book bu- I have the book sitting right behind me too. Look.
5: Robinhood, yes, used Apex. Apex was an investor in Robinhood. Without Apex, Robinhood does not exist. Robinhood then took it internally. Um, yes. Just in like the that. story
2: that I understand, Jason, you, you'll know this better than me. Was that Robinhood couldn't afford all the fees to become a brokerage, and Apex basically came in and said, "We'll help you in exchange for a piece of the company."
5: Right, and they could have had they could have had a lot more of a piece. Cool story. It's cool, and I and I was in that Etoro deal, but not in the Robinhood. So I didn't do second one. And then Robinhood guys was on list, five billion dollar valuation. Anyone here that's listening could have bought Robinhood stock at a five billion dollar valuation. I'm sitting on AngelList. I'm like, oh my god, that's so crazy hot. Well, yeah, it's not even just that. It's like the whole market um, just went crazy. Yeah, I'm still long a little bit of Robinhood, not a ton. I was just joking. Oh, look at this one. You have a guess?
2: WorkSport. Yep, yeah, we, AB's got a big interview coming up. Company we, just uplisted to NASDAQ.
1: Yeah, I'm excited for this. WorkSport coming on. But real quick, I just wanted to give my, my fact about Apple when you brought up the, the um, market cap. So that revenue from AirPods, so Apple's earbud product, the revenue from AirPods alone outpaces Adobe's total revenue. Oh, U- my God. Uber's total revenue. AMD's total revenue. Spotify's total revenue. So, if you ever question just how massive of a company that Apple is, just keep that in perspective. That one little tiny part of Apple's business, the AirPods, the revenue from that one product is bigger than all these other massive tech companies.
2: Woo-hoo-hoo! Put that in the content channel. That is a hit story. Yeah. That is insane. I almost bought my first pair of AirPods this weekend. Really? I, but- I needed headphones to work like at the airport and on the plane when I was traveling. And they are I don't know. They had the normal headphones were ten bucks. The AirPods were, I don't know, one forty or something. I'm like, they do look cool, but I was close. I didn't pull the trigger.
1: Yeah, we'll we'll do it we'll do some more deep dive into that. Uh maybe I'll do that article and we'll we'll get that out there. Um but oh. without further ado, let's get to the work sports CEO. I'm excited about this interview. Get access to actionable news and market research with all the information you need to invest smarter and profit faster. Start your free trial today at pro.benzinga.com.
3: Steven, how's it going? Can you hear me? Yes, sir. I can hear you. Good. Sorry about that. Uh, Doing well today. Thanks for having me. How are you?
1: I'm good. Thanks for asking. Yeah, thank you for taking time out of your out of your busy Wednesday to join us on the Benzinga Power Hour. Yep. Um, so real quick, before we get started, can you give our audience just a little bit of background about WorkSport, what the company is, what you guys do?
3: Sure, yeah. Um, WorkSport was founded in 2011, three buckets. Uh, one of our founding buckets was core truck gear for the booming pickup truck market. Second bucket dovetails beautifully into the EV side of things where we're hybridizing truck gear with solar uh, power generation. So we're making mobile microgrids out of pickup trucks using solar panel truck bed covers uh, and a battery system. And then you can uh, remove these systems. You don't even need a pickup truck. You can have our microgrids for your shed or for a boat or for marine applications. So it kind of gets us into a much broader global market. And our third bucket's coming up. Can't talk much about it, but it relates to EV charging and hydrogen fuel technology. We're really excited about that.
1: Okay. I like the little tease there. You can't talk about it too much yet, but we have an idea of what kind of what what the industry that it's in.
3: Yeah, yeah, exactly. So there's really kind of like going from a big niche all the way up to, you know, global power. And and we're really proud of of kind of dovetailing nicely into you know, producing power and selling it uh, to to you know the general broad consumer market. So it's not like you know we're just a health you know product or a you know you know one out of ten. It's anybody globally that could use power would look at our CARE-V system. And I, I can explain a lot more, but I, I I'll just go off for miles and, and days on it. So
1: yeah, well I'm not going to stop you, but but real quick, so so I wanted to know what you see as kind of the upside of these different buckets of the different um, you know business streams that you're in.
3: Well, I mean, the EV space is hot. I mean, first off, there's really like there's 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 a there's two problems, I guess. Number one is the mandate to electrify. And then number two is the problem of power. So we think that we have this plug next to us that we can just plug into. And as, as long as, you know, we have things to plug into it, it's just going to just keep lighting them up. And that's kind of a fallacy, you know. Um, the, the issues that we're having is in, in in the rush for electrification is where's the power gonna come from? Number one, number two is we all kind of generally agree Mother Nature's not happy at us. Um I well, I'm not gonna get into those kinds of arguments, but in general, with electrification and the talks of global warming is you know, where is the power gonna come from and is it a green source? So like popping up. You know a, a a nuclear plant that's a little bit more green or hydro plant from water um not so easy so usually the power in in high demand areas like the west coast or or big urban you know kind of areas is like natural gas or coal or oil still a lot globally so the question broader is like where's the power going to come from so that's kind of where we start looking at um, you know, electrifying through hydrogen where it's green, you know, our byproducts, a cup of distilled water on providing mobile power systems for for the broader consumer market. So diversifying gets us into the truck year market and keeps us there that we love that market pickup trucks. I think 82 percent, 82 percent of trucks by in the next five years, 82 percent of vehicles in the next five years are going to be trucks, uh, light trucks. Uh, so it's, it's the big niche. It's the place to be. And then you see here at Rivian, you know, uh, Lordstown, Nikola, GM, Hyundai, like Canoe. There's just so many EV trucks coming. So we're in the right place at the right time.
1: Yeah, definitely. I mean, I I think that's one of the biggest kind of – parts about the EVs that are coming out is, is that, you know, Ford, I think Ford's EV lightning is going to be pretty cool. Um, but, you know, of course we have Tesla Cybertruck truck too, but that's going to be, whoever puts out like the best pickup truck that's electric, I think will do really, really well.
3: Yeah, I, I agree. And there's just so much, uh, there's so many different types of trucks. Like the Ford is your big pickup, right? It's a full size truck, but Ford's coming out with a Maverick, which is a little truck for more urban areas. Um, you know Tesla that cyber truck you know I'm a huge fan of Tesla um, the cyber truck's going to be for a different kind of uh kind of demographic of individuals so i mean you have to ask why is it the pickup truck that's winning the race why is it you know when Rivian or Lordstown's coming out with an electric vehicle of the gamut of vehicles they are picking pickups because that that number 82% of of people in this landmass are going to be driving a light truck in the next 5 years it's just it just makes a lot of sense. So the F-150 Lightning is going to be huge and our TeraVece product will be able to charge the, the, the vehicle. Um, so it'll provide, you know, five or 15, five to 15 free miles of range. The average daily commute of, of the average person, like, like me, for example, is 30 miles. So far, you know, you guys are talking about, I got my first set of uh, AirPods, but uh, I was listening in on that um, you know, you talk about, you know, our iPhone one. If our iPhone one is, you know, the, in that equivalent in our like first product offering is going to be 50 percent of the power without having to worry about plugging in and, and, and using natural gas derivative or coal or oil derivative power. Um, that's already a big victory. You know, it's clean energy. It's completely clean off grid. You don't have to worry about it. So it mitigates range anxiety great anxiety, all these kinds of different things that are kind of going to be our problems that we're going to face as more people electrify. So to talk to your Ford, it's just, yeah, we're going to charge up the Ford. Uh, You know, if you don't, if you have a gas truck or diesel truck, we'll charge up our battery system in the bed of your truck. And now you got kind of power everywhere with our TeraVise tech, which is really kind of kind of getting us, you know, more appetized in renewable energy.
1: Got it. And then then as far as what the um, kind of market opportunity is there, do you know for for what you're doing, kind of what the total... Uh, market opportunity is
3: well. I mean, it's really challenging to hone in on a specific number, but the numbers are big, right? Um, so, you know, our truck gear market, you know, just to kind of mention, is is a forty five billion dollar market. So, uh, like, sorry, like upfitting, like accessories for vehicles. So, we're already, like I said, in a big niche. And I always mention, you know, our 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 conventional. Tunnel covers, as like Johnson and Johnson made generational wealth selling baby powder. It's, it's a little bit boring, but it still it still did really well. Um, so our our you know our big niche market is a is a almost fifty billion dollar market. When you start getting into products that we're making, the TerraVest, the solar systems, and the battery systems, we get into kind of like uncharted territories. We know there's a huge demand for it. We've had that. But we don't really know exactly which market bucket that fits in so the energy storage system bucket so that's like mobile power is estimated to be around 25 billion so it's like we're throwing around billions like they they're nothing um but to that extent i mean they really start adding up the the solar cover is first of its kind there's just not been anything commercially available uh and we're we're in pre-production of both our battery and our solar so you know we're we're starting to get into that that hundred billion plus dollar market with a huge runway of kind of we're first, we own a lot of the intellectual property around it, and it, it puts us in a much more enviable position. So, I'd I have to say, you know, we're, we're probably you know stacking up all of our markets where we're, we're probably a you know seventy five to a hundred billion dollars as we get into the later part of the decade.
1: Wow, yeah, that's incredible. I mean, I know it's kind of hard to hone in on a specific number, especially in in an industry that's so you know, you have your hands in different buckets, but I was, I was you brought up the Terra I was just going to ask about that. Um, can you explain real quick kind of what the product is, what the goal of the product uh, is once it, once it hits the market?
3: Yeah, for sure. So um, EV trucks, I mean, there's three sub buckets to our Terra bucket. So to define what the Terra is, is the world's first solar truck bed cover. Um, so you're buying a Rivian, you're buying a Lordstown, you're buying a GM Hummer or Ford Lightning, and you buy our product and the product not only will cover the bed of your truck so it's like that must have a piece of tech that you need um but or must have accessory for your truck bed to cover your cargo bay uh, but it also produces you know between 300 to 800 watts of power uh so for the for the ev trucks it'll integrate with the ev truck low voltage charging side and provide 5 10 or 15 free miles every day so again if you only drive 30 miles that's uh, a big victory. You know, half of your half of your daily commute's off-grid. You're not having to stop and charge. Um, if you don't have an EV, if you're like, hey, look, I love my, my Hemi or my gas or my diesel trucks, perfect. So you buy our TeraVece solar truck bed cover and you integrate it with our TeraVece core battery system, and now you've turned, you know, uh, what is it? I think it's like 55 million trucks on U.S. roads. That's just the U.S. This, this is a global product, but just let's talk U.S., 55 million trucks on the roads today uh, into microgrids. So, job site, campsite, event of a natural disaster, border protection, military, uh, uh, police, you know, like anything good or or, or with, in terms of like, you know, all the different markets. Now you've, you've created microgrids. What gets us into the broader global market is when you're like, you know, you're like, hey, Steve, not interested in a pickup truck. I don't even have a license. Not interested. Cool. You could buy our Terabee's core battery system, and now you have mobile power wherever you need it. So you saw what happened in Texas. Power's out for a couple weeks. People are freezing. Things are happening. Our system is the answer to those problems that are happening. Natural disaster. um, uh, Events of natural disaster and those that either swing a golf club or a hammer. It's like it's power where you need it. It's a 1.5 kilowatt battery pack. So to put it into context, your house uses somewhere between five to 10 kilowatts a day, like a full house. So we're already providing like anywhere between 10 to 20% of that power in a small uh, object, a small battery system. Uh, You can take that anywhere. So like I said, campsite, job site, fishing, uh, off-grid, natural disaster stuff in a carpet uh, in a cupboard for, for, for that stormy day. So that now gets us into a much larger global market. And that's where our margin is the highest too, because, you know, like people know, like, power drill companies like DeWalt. They don't make that much, you know, of the money or profits from the drill. Maybe it's probably it is more from the battery. Uh, so our battery system is profitable and we're really excited about it because it gets into anyone that needs power that's globally. Um, so you know we're 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 kind of going from conventional truck gear to solar truck bed systems for the Rivian of tomorrow, but then also just the off-grid microgrid power. And the one thing I do want to mention which is really cool is we invented hot swap technology. So, kind of getting technical, but what what other ba- there's only like one or two competitors that make these hunking big batteries out there, and when their battery's dead, it's dead. Our system has swappable batteries, so you can continue to buy more batteries from us, and they can each be charged by solar, by any solar or our covers, or any wall outlet or any 12 volt source. Uh, but our system is also, when the battery's dying, you can exchange the battery, the depleted battery, with a charged battery, and the unit stays alive. So now we get into delicate military medical devices and more natural disaster on a global level. Where imagine there's a natural disaster and you have a you know blood transfusion machine or delicate you know equipment connected that you don't want it powering down. Where our system allow you to change depleted batteries, the system stays alive and everything connected to it stays alive for thirty to sixty seconds. So it gets us into a much broader, more serious market like DoD and, and global military, global. Um, you know, medical uh, and, and, and Red Cross and all that kind of stuff. So we're really excited about all that.
1: Yeah. I mean, Steve, you know better than I do, but I'm sure, you know, once those contracts start coming in, they'll be huge for the business. Yeah. Um, but but what I hear when, you know, when you're talking about that is is it sounds like there's a future, a possibility where if someone has a short commute, they might be able to use the TerraVist to, to charge up their truck while they're at work or at home if it's parked in the driveway and not even have to worry about plugging in their truck if they're not driving too far. So I think that's one of the coolest things um, about the product to me,
3: yeah, absolutely. Well, we're like the the, the phrase I used originally is this is our iPhone one to put it in a context that's that's understandable. And we're obviously innovators, we're disruptors in that sense of we're obviously looking at ways of improving. So we're looking at perovskite, amorphous, you know, different types of solar technology. Also, Lorenzo uh, within the company who's a visionary, and I and, and the team broader, uh, broader, broadly speaking, we're thinking about ways of improving. So when we come up with that. You know, iPhone 2 or 3 or 4, imagine when we get to 12, we should be a much more meaningful source of the daily energy needed by these vehicles. So, if already today, yeah, we will provide 15 miles. And if you only drive, drive 15 miles, you will very seldom have to plug in unless it's like a long road trip. Um, but imagine, you know, when we come out with our thermoelectric generator technology or improved solar technology where we become 18 and 20 and 30 miles of power we may be you know, able to start vending power back into grids. Not necessarily so meaningful in terms of revenue, but it's definitely a good champagne problem to be having.
1: Definitely. Um, all right, Steve, well, we are running out of time, but I want to thank you for coming on our show, You know, taking time out of your busy Wednesday. Congrats again on the up list. Uh, the ticker is WKSP for all of our investors out there. I'm definitely adding this to my watch list, Steve. I'm not sure. I probably can't go out and buy it today. Don't want to get in trouble from the SEC, you know, but um, uh, like I said, thank you for coming on. Please keep us, uh, you know, in the loop on any news or anything. We'd love to have you back on the show. Anytime you guys have breaking news, anything like that. Um, But again, congratulations.
3: Thank you very much. Thanks for having me.
1: Of course all right y'all that was WorkSport, ticker Wksp some very interesting things there you know Steve may have hinted a little bit about what type of things in the EV market the company could be getting into so I'm I'm, I'm adding this to my watch list
3: Do you feel like you're always late to the best trades you don't have to kick yourself for those missed opportunities any longer today is your day vantage points artificial intelligence has helped traders of all experience levels with its predictive analysis forecasting Visit VantagePointForecast.com and find out how their AI automatically recognizes global market patterns well ahead of the news to help you pick the best trade. Go to VantagePointForecast.com to join a free live training session today. VantagePoint's patented artificial intelligence can give you massive edge. Don't hesitate. Save your seat now. Trading involves financial risk and is not suitable for all investors. Past results do not guarantee future performance.
1: Get access to actionable news and market research with all the information you need to invest smarter and profit faster. Start your free trial today at pro.benzinga.com